Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Camera Podcast, Pubs, Pints and People. Welcome to the Camera Podcast, Pubs, Pints and People. This is the podcast where we chat about pretty much everything to do with beer, cider, pubs and brewing. If you're not familiar with who we are, my name is Ant Fiorillo and I'm joined as ever by Matt Bundy and Katie Wiles. Oh, hello guys. Hello. 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 (laughs) It's been quite a week, hasn't it? We had Beer Day Britain yesterday where we cheered the nation's favourite drink in the Red Online virtual pub and there's just a few short weeks until we expect pubs to open in some form or another. This is literally the most exciting news I've heard in like 10 weeks. <laughs> I cannot wait. And I'll tell you what, there's been so much going on over the last few weeks. We've had the Black Lives Matter movement, which it's been really heartening to see so many conversations taking place right now about how we can improve equality and diversity within the beer world and do what we can. I mean, we've some discussions about that on some past podcast episodes. So if you want to listen mm. to everything that we had to say about it, go back and give those old ones a listen if you haven't done already. Definitely. And the British beer scene is predominantly white. There's no denying that. Yeah. There's no point in beating about the bush. There really is only a handful of breweries that are led by people of colour at the minute. And, and you can pretty much count them on one hand. You've got Wildcard Brewery, Rock Leopard Brewing, Burning Soul, The Goodness Brew Company, Eco Brewery and Magic Spells Brewery. That is pretty much it. Which is crazy, isn't it? Considering that there's over 2,000 breweries across the UK. So it's really clear we need to do a lot more to actively support diversity and inclusion within the beer world. You know, as listeners, you can look into ordering your next beer delivery, potentially from one of those breweries, and also look out for any opportunities to promote and support those voices of people of colour and make them feel welcome and included, whether that's at the bar, the pub, the brewery, beer festivals, whatever. Well said, Katie. This week, we're going to be looking both back in time as well as into the future, because Mm. next year is Camera's 50th anniversary, in case you've been under a rock, which is a real (laughs) landmark event. It really is. So we need to order the cake. Why don't we get Sue to make it? <laughs> yes, that's such a good idea. Sue, if That'd you're listening, brilliant. get your cake on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll tell you what, well, whether you love or hate us, I'm hoping you love us, to be honest, if you're listening to the camera podcast. <laughs> We're 10 episodes in, and to be honest, if you hate us and you're still listening, that's quite that's quite a sustained feat. It is. You, it's like a going. Marmite jar you've just got to throw out if you're not interested in it, you know? <laughs> yeah, so thanks for coming back. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what, we're hoping you love us. 
is. And, and you can't deny that camera has done so much to really change the beer world over the last 50 years. And to learn a bit more about it, we'll be chatting with Laura Hadland, who's been commissioned to write the 50th biography of camera, and it's due to be published next year. And we're also chatting with one of the founders, Bill Meller, to learn a bit more about the campaign and what that was like when it was first founded. Very exciting. Now, <laughs> before we jump into the interviews, we want to let you know a bit more about some of the new features and materials available for our members. That's right. We've got some fantastic new content for members to learn more about their favourite drink. Uh, my colleague Alex has been working very hard to get our Learn and Discover Zone up and running. So we've got some great guides and resources. We've got a four-part audio guide from Emma Inch exploring the ingredients of beer, a video guide to herbal beers and foraging by Andy Hamilton, if you didn't get enough from that last week. And we also have a beginner's guide to tasting cider from James Finch, more resources on cider from the ciderologist Gabe Cook, as well as an in-depth discussion of IPA by Pete Brown, and the first installment of a dictionary of beer from Mark Dredge. And you know, most of the authors have actually been guests on the show already, so you've had a great introduction to them. And the content is exclusive for our members, so if you're not already a member, then why not join the campaign? It's only £26 a year, and again, it's money that you'd have otherwise spent on a night out, so you may as well get it in. And there's loads of things as well on the Red Online, so make sure to check back on that. But before we get carried away, we've got to dive into our first interview. So over to you, Ant, for a chat with Laura Hadlin about the 50th biography she's working on. Learn and discover sitting down with Laura Hadland. She's an established beer writer and has been commissioned to write Cameron's very own biography in anticipation of the 50th anniversary next year. No mean feat. Laura, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How is it all going? Well, as you can imagine, it's uh, extremely busy. It's a a phenomenal project and a a massive project. Now, I understand you've been conducting a number of interviews already in a bid to start piecing together a bit of an oral history of camera. I've been chatting with somewhere around 100 people in total, truth be told, a real range. So obviously the founders of camera are vital in capturing their stories and a whole series of the leading lights of camera, the ex-national chairman, people like Chris Hutt, for example, he was a national chairman and also wrote The Death of the English Pub people who've been great British Beer Festival organisers. The the first female GBBF organiser was it was great. And also people from outside of the camera immediate circle. So Charlie Papazian, the founder of the Great American Beer Festival, who was inspired by camera. Some of the best beer writers in the country, people like Adrian Turney Jones and Melissa Cole have been sharing their wisdom with me. And also regular members, a whole range of brewers, so people right across the industry. What's been the most surprising thing you've uncovered so far in all of your conversations? As you can imagine, a huge amount of different stories, but I think for me it's really surprised me how much camera seems to have a link with cricket. I'd never come across this before. There seems to be all the way back right to its foundation, I think probably because of the interests of the founders, there seems to be this real link between camera members, camera national executive, going to the cricket together, having camera cricket teams. It, it seems to really permeate the fabric of what a camera is about. I spoke to Roger Protz, the fantastic beer writer, about this, and he thinks it might be because of Sunday cricket. So you'd go along to the Sunday cricket at 6pm, they'd shout 20 overs, which meant you had an hour left. 
And then, of course, back then, the pubs would open at seven on a Sunday. So it's perfect timing to totter in from the game and go and have a couple of pints with your friends. Who'd have known it? It's almost idyllic, isn't it, though? You know, a balmy Sunday evening, 20 overs and into the pub we all stroll for a few drinks with our teammates. Given that the whole idea of cameras to protect this traditional British product, it feels kind of quite a nice full circle thing to go with, really, that camera and cricket go hand in hand. But I'm not sure it'd be for everyone in the membership nowadays. There's obviously a lot of ground to cover in the biography. So what's your plan on how you're going to structure it? It's been tricky, to be honest. I'm settling on thematically at the moment because a chronology is just too dull. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of timeline going on. And if you do it in chronological order, it just gets boring. So I'm starting to split it up. We've got a section on the early history so that people can get to grips with what was around before camera and why camera started. Then a little bit about camera structures and how they came about, why the organisation is the way it is, because no one's really talked about that before or recorded it. And then the the rest of the book, the bulk of the book, is dedicated to the campaigning, and that's very roughly split into beer campaigning, brewery campaigning, and pub campaigning, and that encompasses a whole range of different themes within it, beer festivals, beer writing and publications, different types of campaigning from fake funerals and protests and running rings around breweries in the 1970s to lobbying Parliament and the European Parliament in the present day. And then I'm going to try, I think, and round it off with a kind of a step back and looking at what camera's influence has been and, and where it might go in the future. I mean, you've mentioned the fake funerals and lobbying the European Parliament. Can you tease any other little nuggets for our listeners on what you've uncovered in your quest so far? There's almost too many to mention, to be honest, but I'm really intrigued to discover that there was a there was a camera Christmas card in Christmas 1971, so right at the beginning of when camera was founded, before actually the founders had done anything with it, before it had taken off or they'd let anyone know that it existed. One of the founders made this Christmas card and sent it off to fellow founders and close friends it has a little rhyme in which i will save for the book but at the end it says merry slutching and apparently slutching was their slang for going out drinking at the time and i don't think it was beyond anyone but the immediate circle but it certainly seemed to mean something at times so that that was an interesting one because i just didn't know what the word was for a while it took me a few conversations to track down what it meant i think we've got so many fantastic stories around beer festivals that's really where the interesting stuff seems to happen so that first national beer festival at Covent Garden, we've got a bomb scare, we've got a quarter of a mile round the block queue, we've got a um, lone water tap on one of the flower stalls in Covent Garden Flower Market, which is cheekily marked up as Watney's on draft. <laughs> I think my favourite fact is that for the festival, obviously they were bringing beer from all over the country. It was uh, some of the biggest kind of number of beers under one roof in the UK at that time and then Brains sent a dray over so it crossed the Severn Bridge from Wales into England and that was the first time that a Brains dray and Brains beer had left Wales which I just think is phenomenal and really shows that the lengths that camera went to and, and inspired in other people. There really is nothing more joyous than flicking through old newspaper clippings and finding these little gems of stories to share. Have you found yourself doing the same? Yes, although I'm being quite careful at the moment because I'm doing so many interviews. I'm trying to process all of those first because, as you can imagine, there's a huge amount of information in there. And also, not to denigrate any of my wonderful interviewees who have all been fabulous, 
But of course, 50 years on, sometimes the memory gets a little hazy. So once the interviews have all been processed and I'm kind of feeding the, the details from those into my manuscript, my next stage will be really to dive into the archives. And sat next to me here are two great whacking cardboard boxes delivered to me from Mr. Tim Webb, who uh, I'm sure lots of your listeners will be familiar with. And he's very kindly sent me 40 years worth of Watts Brewings and most of the beer magazines that have ever been published. So I've got plenty of material to keep me going, I think, irrespective of how long lockdown lasts. What's been the most valuable resource you've come across in putting together the book? Oh, well, it's the people. It's undeniably the people. The centre of this story and, and the real challenge, I think, is going to be getting across to the reader how important friendships, camaraderie, the social aspect of camera is. Those little tales of people just doing interesting things, going the extra mile, making friends around the country. That's what really makes this interesting and really makes camera different there is no other organization that i've been able to think of where people dedicate quite so much time i mean what is a thousand people often dedicating up to two weeks of their annual leave a year to volunteer at gbbf and we have some incredible slightly hairy exploits as well so the infamous denny riding her motorbike around leeds for the first gbbf in leeds posting up 800 posters overnight with one pannier of her motorcycle full of posters and the other full of wallpaper paste in an overnight fly posting raid that will certainly never be repeated indeed like the lady godiva of camera so what do you want our readers to come away knowing about camera it's not so much what i want people to know i think it's what the people i've spoken to want people to take away from the book and that is clearly what i've mentioned about this kind of social scene and and how important camera is in so many people's lives but also the main issues what camera is really about it seems to me when you when you really drill down it's about quality and choice the campaign was started because people felt that their choice was being taken away they weren't necessarily against keg beer they just wanted to have cask beer as well and at that time that was under threat And so a lot of the people I've spoken to are very, very vocal about how the most important word in the name is the for. It's a campaign for something and not against anything. And I think that that's something that a lot of people could probably do well to remember about Canberra, that actually at its roots, it is something very positive and trying to protect something. And that's expanded out over the years to include not just beer but also by extension the people that make the beer the brewers and the people that sell the beer the pubs because without pubs there are no good pints of cascale and so i think those are the kind of things particularly now with coronavirus and the lockdown those things have perhaps never been under threat as much in cameras entire 50 years as they are now so it seems a really pivotal time to be able to talk about these issues So when's the book going to be released? And more importantly, how will we get hold of a copy? It's going to be released for Camera's 50th anniversary, which will be taking place in March 2021. So the the actual date of the 50th will be the 16th of March 2021. So I imagine around there the book will be released and it will be a Camera Books publication. So you'll be able to get it through the Camera website and all the usual Camera channels. Thank you so much for your time and joining us on our podcast. Thanks, Anne. Lovely speaking to you. Learn and discover. 
really interesting interview, although I've not come across too much with regards to camera and cricket references. <laughs> but that's probably a good thing because I might know a bit about beer at this point, but I know nothing about cricket. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely with you on that, Walsy. I know there's a bat, a ball and somebody wearing a straw hat. That is literally it. <laughs> I'm also working on trying to organise an exhibition for Camera's 50th. So if any members listening in have any historic artefacts that they think should be displayed or some long forgotten stories that should be shared, make sure to write in. You can reach us on podcast at camera.org.uk or even use that new Twitter handle, Pubs Pints People. Tell you what, talking of Twitter, you might remember that we ran a competition a few weeks back on the old Twitter and we asked listeners to share their wildest homebrew ideas and that was to win a recipe pack from our good friends at Homebrew Tea. I love the idea that we've had from mm. our winner, Dan Veal, true breakfast stout using cereals such as Cheerios in the mash alongside some toast. I like it. Then lactose <laughs> for the milk. They've got mandarina hops as the glass of orange juice on the side. Very nice, very posh. And of course, so this is my favourite bit about it, smoke flavouring, perhaps like flavoured wood chips, the smoky bacon. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I, the only thing you're missing there is a fried egg, but I don't think I'd want a fried egg in me beer. But yeah, you're right. That was from Dan Veal. And you know what? Dan's my man is the chair up at North Beds. So Dan, a little representation there from the team. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, and he's also representative on the young members group as well. So thank you so much, Dan, for getting in touch. And you are going to be getting yourself a wonderful little kit from Home Boutique. And if that hasn't whet your appetite enough, this definitely will. We've got another recipe from Sue this week, and it's a beer, soup, and bread combination. And it's actually in tribute to the man who invented Proper Job and other iconic St. Austell's beers, Ooh. Roger Ryman, who very sadly passed away recently from cancer. Sue says, Roger's brewing alchemy was recognised at the highest levels. He was twice named Brewer of the Year, once by the British Guild of Beer Writers, and once by the All Party parliamentary beer group and his beers are great to cook with my first column for this series was beer batter made with proper job my prize bottle of st austell's one-off tamar creek it's a cherry beer which Ooh. echoes the sour reds of flanders that made a guest appearance in her lamb dish and today she says i'm making a soup with tribute a 4.2 percent classic pale ale with zesty orange and grapefruit flavors balanced with biscuit malt bottle condition hicks which is a six percent tawny ale with malty butterscotch notes named after walter hicks who founded the brewery 170 years ago adds the only yeast in her soda bread to accompany it do you know what i just need to go and live in sue's house <laughs> sue's gonna get nervous if she's listening <laughs> <laughs> well i'd say you can check out sue's cucumber soup and soda bread recipe so you don't have to go around the house you can make it at home and that's on uh, the show notes below and on wb.camera.org.uk and you can also order some great St. Austell's beers to make all the recipes that mm. Sue's mentioned that feature them, or just a drink. Why not? You can order <laughs> yeah, them directly to your door at their website, stostelbrewery.co.uk. Now, let's step back in time as Katie sits down with the camera founder, Bill Meller, to find out what the beer scene was like 50 years ago. Fasten your seatbelt, kids. This is a good one. Desert Island Beer. So I'm just sitting down with Bill Meller, who is one of the four founders of the Campaign for Real Ale. Bill, can you tell us how Camera came about? Hi, Katie. We were four friends, or in some cases, friends of friends, all from the north of England. Three of us were journalists. The other worked for a brewery. I was a young reporter on a weekly paper in Cheshire. Graham Lees worked for a, a rival publication in a town about 
10 miles away, a place called Sandbach near Crewe. Local journalism was a small world. You worked late to covering the local council meeting and then you'd file your story and then you'd meet up for a drink. Of course, by then, many of the pubs would be shut. It was a terrible keg substance. Uh, I won't call it beer. It was called Double Diamond. As a student, I'd worked at night in working men's clubs where they served real ale from hand pumps. So I, uh, I knew a good pint when I tasted one, but often enough... Graham Lees and I would end up my, by necessity drinking the terrible beer. Weekends, we'd either hold parties at his place or mine, or we'd travel. Mike Hardman was also a journalist. He was a very good one. He was a lot more experienced. I think he'd already worked on Fleet Street. We met him through mutual friends, and he came to one of our parties. Uh, Jim Makin, the fourth founder, he was an, an old school friend of Graham from Manchester, from Salford, who'd gone straight from school to work for what became Whitbread's Brewery. He had no affection for the keg beer that Whitbread's was forcing down on drinkers at the time. So he was a kindred spirit. And um, some of us also went off on alcohol-laced holidays, um, such as to the Munich Beer Festival. And anyway, what one time we decided to go off on one such holiday to Ireland. First stop direct from the airport was the Guinness Brewery in Dublin. I think Hardman had phoned ahead to say we were famous British journalists. This impressed the brewery flack, who was very appropriately uh, named Mr. Porter. He entertained us to a very liquid lunch, and then we headed off in search of more drink. On our travels through Ireland, we were repeatedly uh, lamenting the state of British beer, and indeed Irish beer, apart from Guinness and a couple of other stouts. The most ubiquitous so-called beer was a dreadful-tasting concoction called Smithwick's, which was very similar to the sort of, you know, Watney's double diamond whipped bread that we were drinking in England. We decided something needed to be done and came up with the idea of camera. Now, where did we make the momentous decision to form camera? It was far west of County Kerry to the most westerly point in Ireland, which is a, a place called Kruger's Bar at the tip of the Dingle Peninsula. It's still there, I believe. For me, and I'm speaking personally here, one of the defining events of that trip was reading a newspaper article exposing the very low alcohol content of, of British beer, the, the weakest of them all, Watney's Red Barrel, which was a huge seller in those days. It was so weak that you, if you reduce the content, the alcohol content by a tiny fraction, you could sell it to children as shandy. And I remember sort of alerting the other guys to this and said, hey, fellas, read this, you know. Yeah. And then I realized we were sort of on the right track. It was another damn good reason to form camera. And so as soon as we got back, we got cracking. So how did you go from having this kind of idea on a holiday about we need to ask for better beer to getting the largest consumer group in Europe yeah. uh, with nearly 200,000 members today? How, how did that even happen? How did you get people on board and interested? The beer scene in 1972 was just indescribably terrible. What made it worse, I think, was the fact that it had all happened so, the decline had happened so quickly. You know, I, you know, I was, tw I was 21 or 22 years old at the time. We were all in our early 20s. And as a school kid in 
in Chester, I could slip into a pub and get a decent pint. Then just in the space of really um, a very few years, indeed, the, uh, it seemed that every pub you went into had suddenly been taken over by these appalling, sickly, bland-tasting, fizzy keg beers. You know, I can remember the names vividly, you know, Youngest Tartan, McEwan's, Double Diamond, you know, around where I live, still these beautiful looking, relatively atmospheric country pubs. But when you got inside, they were serving the same old bland stuff that was was sort of taking over the world. I mean, there were exceptions. Shortly after that time, I, w- I went to work in Blackburn, for instance, where Hardman also worked. There were still two excellent breweries there, um, Thwaites and Lion, which... You know, both dated back to the early 1800s, you know, and of course in London, you know, there was still there was still the excellent Young's Brewery. But around around a lot of the rest of the place, it was becoming an absolute beer desert. So um, so I think that's why there was a real need for it. We, We were appalled. And I think, you know, there was a quiet majority of drinkers who were also appalled. I mean, there's some defining things about camera that seem to have run from the very beginning to today you've got you know what's brewing which has been that cornerstone Mm. as a membership publication the beer festival from the very beginning with the great british beer festival starting in covent garden did you envision Mm. these things as what camera would be or did they just kind of naturally fall into place as the organization evolved first beer festival was a defining thing what's brewing was absolutely excellent i mean i I, my, my only involvement in that was i you know, I came up with the name, so I can't I can't claim any more credit than that. But but when I saw the first issue, it was just so professional. That gave camera an awful lot of credibility. I also organised the first annual AGM, mm. which was which was a wild and uh, a wild and woolly affair. Um, <laughs> the reason we held it in Nuneaton was that I just moved to become the Nuneaton district man of the Coventry Evening Telegraph. I persuaded the landlord to let us have the AGM there but the landlord couldn't give us a private room so we just took over part of his lounge bar on a Saturday night and it got pretty rowdy you know Hardman was chairing the meeting and everybody was disagreeing and shouting and yelling and eventually the uh, the landlord told us to tone it down you know or we'd get thrown out and um, <laughs> apparently one of one of the locals complained to Another local paper, not the one I worked for, the the opposition paper. And this guy, um, a few days later, wrote this sort of scathing article about how a bunch of con men had uh, sort of conned their way into the pub, the Rose Inn, and taken over the, the lounge bar on behalf of some phony organisation. But of course, when Hardman got wind of it, he... Um, Hardman was a pretty ferocious guy in those days, and he he sort of really tore this guy to suddenly sending off firing off threatening letters to to the paper. And the following week, this guy made an abject and grovelling apology. And I think I think that was the first wow. bit of publicity we ever got. It's amazing even to think of the AGM fitting in a pub because today we usually have twelve hundred people come. We rent yeah. out a conference hall. It's uh, quite an affair. Aside from yes, obviously uh, yeah. this year for obvious reasons. One thing I noticed when I meet up with Hardman and Lee's and making, um, because a lot of the early days was sort of it was all uh, founded on a camera sort of set sail on a on an ocean of alcohol basically, and so we've got somewhat hazy memories of what happened but Harbour might have a different idea but I would probably say there would be maybe 25 or 30 at Mm. that first AGM 
Yeah. And how do you feel when you think about what camera has become over the last half of a century and the achievements that have been made in bringing forward the British beer and pub scene? Is there anything that I guess you're particularly proud of? And what's your impression of what this idea in Ireland has turned into? I'm extraordinarily proud is the I'm not personally proud because you know essentially I was a spear carrier in all this I did get it though within a couple of years I suddenly realized that we got the brewers rattled and the the other guys might have realized that before me but the the day it dawned on me was when I was sitting at home one day um, half reading a book and one eye on the television and then a beer ad came on TV and I can't remember which of the big six breweries it was that that was advertising, but it featured a couple of sort of macho looking blokes sitting in a pub. They weren't saying anything. They were just pretending to take big manly swigs of keg Mm -hmm. beer. And the punchline to the ad was something like less talk, more drinking. And it kind of implying that real men don't sit and discuss the merits of beer they just drink what's available you know Mm. and then I I suddenly got it that camera had got the brewers worry with this ad they were subliminally attacking camera and I knew then that we got them scared and that's when I realized that you know that we'd made an impact but how much of an impact you know I've lived overseas for many many years but I come back to Britain regularly and every time I come back it never ceases to amaze me And it's quite interesting how you're talking about rattling the brewers because today we're very much, you know, advocating and promoting the brewers and the pubs. And it's obviously because there was that big brewery blocks that were not Mm. listening to consumers and dominating the market. And it's so interesting, I think, to see that and how different the beer scene is today and what the concerns are for camera today. I came across things like camera members testing the ABV of beer because it wasn't published back in the day and you yeah. know wanting to force brewers to tell you what you're actually drinking. I think it's an amazing rich history, some fantastic achievements that you don't you just really take for granted as a beer drinker today. Yeah, there was an awful lot of grassroots campaigning in those days. You get a, a beloved pub in a community that was, you know, the brewers were closing or doing something or other and and we'd get we and we'd be out there and campaigning and we'd be and we'd be writing about it as well if we didn't write it write about it in our own papers we'd be alerting other media to it is there anything in particular that really stands out to you as the thing that you're most proud of camera doing well yeah i mean get, getting rid of that oligopoly supporting small breweries um seeing small breweries thriving me being able to go back to cheshire and have a pint of you know something that i love to drink still that kind of thing makes me incredibly proud i just don't think that would have happened without camera camera is incredibly important to a lot of people you know we've got nearly two hundred thousand members we've got thousands of really active volunteers and a lot of them mm feel like the camera kind of network and community is like a second family to them and getting together Mm. for beer festivals or going to branch meetings is a real lifeline for a lot of people so I think you know on behalf of all of them thank you so much for your help in setting up this great organization (laughs) and thanks to them for making it what it's become desert island beer It's amazing to think what a legacy Bill has created here in the UK for the brewing and pubs world from what was originally just a boozy trip to Ireland with a few mates. (laughs) 
I know I've had a few of them, and I don't think I've really come up with any ideas that would lead to a, a major uh, campaigning <laughs> movement. It, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, I love the fact the four founders were Northern as well. You know, we're representing the North you know, oh, on, yeah. on the podcast as well. But I think Bill's Bill's very modest, isn't he? He just goes when he talks about what's brewing. He goes, "Oh well, I didn't do anything. I just came up with a name. I mean, it's a cracking <laughs> name. It's, it, it, it really it nails it. It's got just a hint of wordplay in it. It's lovely. So he's a, he's a modest man, isn't he? But I think very impressive what he's done. And I love the reference to Mr. Porter at the Guinness factory, where he takes them for a liquid lunch. I often <laughs> wonder if there's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy with names. If you call Mr. Porter, I think you have to work in our industry, <laughs> don't we? I once met a man who ran biggest cider orchards in the country, and his name is Peter Branch. And I Brilliant. thought the same thing. <laughs> so if only I was called Matthew Beer, I could have made it. Or Matthew Cider would have been better. It would make my own made cider a bit better. Matthew Scrumpy, something like that. <laughs> yeah. I also absolutely love Bill's reference to Watney's. It's so tongue-in-cheek, isn't it? That it was so weak, you could sell it to children as shandy. <laughs> Maybe back in 1970. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's it. Well, yeah. the play parks are closed at the minute, so the kids can't go out drinking. Can <laughs> Camera means so much to so many people today. We've got thousands of really active volunteers around the country who are still incredibly involved in the campaign, even during lockdown. Yeah, and Camera's going to be running a series of digital events for volunteers, which are starting this week, actually, and they're to help them learn more about their Role, whether they run the social media accounts or local magazines for their branch or organise beer festivals or the finances. And members can search for events and sign up by visiting the Red on Lion pub and just logging in as a member. It's easy peasy to do. So do have a look at the Red on Lion and sign up to those events and get some great training opportunities, if nothing else, and, mm. and a real chance to get more involved in the campaign. Now we're going to dive into the archives and talk through a few clips from 1987 and 88 when camera campaigners were taking to the streets to protest. Indeed. So I have in front of me a photo of the Shrewsbury camera branch who were demonstrating in the street about the closure of Wem Brewery, which is going to be turned into a business park. It says here the marchers made their way along Wem High Street to the brewery with the Wolverhampton Polytechnic Real Ale Society and the Huddersfield Town Supporters Club making their presence felt. I tell you what, it sounds like, sounds like a real rumble. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, grab your torches and pitchforks. And it says here as well that the parent company, Greenall's Whitney, wanted to turn the brewery into a business park, offered to employ the 39 people who were set to lose their job at their Davenport's brewery in Birmingham. Guess what? Not a single person accepted that distant offer. I wonder why. <laughs> Unfortunately, it looks like the demonstrators lost the fight because the May 1988 What's Brewing reads that the Shropshire camera branches organised a special wreath-laying ceremony outside the Wem Brewery to mark the end of 200 years of brewing in the town, and a branch member said he would never forgive Greenalls. Wow. Mm. Camera actually held similar demonstrations to protest the closure of Weathered Brewery in Marlow, uh, which had 120 people marching through the streets of London. Another mass reef laying outside Whitbread's HQ, which is in Chisel Street. I've also seen reports of camera holding funerals for pubs with caskets up the street to mm. protest closures. <laughs> you know, so it's so. I mean, listen, some people look at that and go, "It's a bit extreme, isn't it?" But when you look at these breweries and they've been there for so long, and the pubs have been there for a long time, and and the place that they have in the community, you kind of get it, don't you? And it just shows that camera itself has got this real rich history of demonstrations, protests and marches. Last orders. Right, last orders. What have you two been drinking this week? 
Well, this week I've got myself a little bottle of black sheep ale, bred up in North Yorkshire, Masham, absolutely delicious. Those of you that have drunk it before, we know exactly what I mean when I say it's a delicious beer. It's got this slight kind of, I don't know, pear drop thing going on, but it's toffee. It's very nice. I'm drinking some Thatcher's Katie, which was one of uh, Gabe Cook's picks mm. for his cider tasting many weeks ago. So I kind of got into it through that. A lovely single varietal. Sun in a glass. It's beautiful. Really nice. And I've been going quite traditional this week as well. And in tribute to all of Sue's recipes, I've been having a proper job from St. Austell's, which also took the silver award last year in the champion bottled beer Britain, and I believe has taken the gold a few times as well. So a real quality beer, that one. Very good. So whatever you're drinking, we do hope you've enjoyed listening and do join us next week when we're going to be quite topically speaking to a couple of pubs about what they've been doing during the lockdown and the initiatives they've had in place. And that's just quite great because as we start to prepare ourselves for what may be the new norm, it's one not to miss. Now, Mr Bundy, what are we going to toast these lovely drinks with this week? Well, I've got a quote from Samuel Johnson this week, the writer most famous for creating the first ever English dictionary. And he says, There is nothing which has yet been contrived by which so much happiness is produced as by a good tavern. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. 
So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.